Welcome to an episode of P2 Podcast Blues, a George Harrison solo cast. I'm your only host today, Hudson Ranny, and I am joined by, we have a very special guest today. She is the author of Do You Promise Not to Tell? I hope I'm getting the title right. Partially, yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, <clears throat> my first book was called Do You Want to Know a Secret? The story of the official George Harrison fan club. Then the second one was more complete, more information because a lot happened from the time that I did the first one till the time I did the second one. And um, that one's called Do You Promise Not to Tell? You know, the next line in Do You Want to Know a Secret? The song. Yeah. Pat Mancuso. And I think I'm pronouncing Man- the name right. Mancuso. Mancuso. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Pat, I first want to ask you, I'm going to pretend to be English. Where are you calling from and how is the weather? I am calling from Trap, Pennsylvania, which is about 25 miles northwest of Philadelphia. And um, it's, it's an average day for this time of the year. I mean, it's like 40 degrees and uh fahrenheit and um that's about it where are you i'm in vermont and it's snowy and cold it's snowing it was earlier oh nice Um, i like snow i can't wait for it to snow again (laughs) i'm not a snow person (laughs) oh well i'm not a heat person (laughs) so pat you have an amazing story did you read the book? Some. Okay. Most of it. And I was really impressed. Thank you. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you tell your story. Okay. How long do I have? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you need. Oh, my. Okay. Well, started when I was 15 years old and I about roughly your age. And um, I, do you remember, or of course you don't remember, but did you ever hear of a song called, or a a show called American Bandstand? I do. Okay. Well, it was done in Philadelphia and I used to go there. And um, on the, the last day of taping, which was January the 11th, 1964, um, Dick Clark was moving his show out to Los Angeles. And that was the last time that we taped. And during that show, he played, She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. And I had heard something about this, but I really, you know, I'd seen them on the Jack Parr show, but it really didn't have any effect on me until I heard these at bandstand and, you know, that's when my life changed completely, completely. <laughs> and um, I mean, step in if you want to ask any questions. I will. Okay. But um, <clears throat> anyway, after Bandstand was gone from Philadelphia and I'd had fan clubs for some of the Bandstand regulars, so I knew how to do it. I thought, okay, I'll start a fan club for George Harrison because he's my favorite. And um, I did. And I got a hold of his mother's address 
his mother and father's address. And I contacted them at, well, I, I didn't hear anything until Christmas time and they sent me a Christmas card. I was just beside myself. But anyway, we grew into a very nice relationship with, you know, that I had with his parents and his whole family, really such nice people. Yeah. And um, anyway, I told her that I started this fan club and she offered to help me out with it, as did my parents. I was an only child and George was a baby in his family. So, you know, the parents will do anything for you at that point. And <laughs> at least ours did. Yeah. And um, I, I had a, uh, a newsletter that I started in May of 2000, uh, 2000, May of 1964, four or five, I forget. But anyway, um, she had a, Mrs. Harrison had a column in it. And I would ask her anything before I put any news in there. I would ask her if it was true because I didn't want to, you know, just have a bunch of lies going out there. And uh, in 1966, I graduated from high school. And um, after I graduated, I, I just wanted to get a job to support my fan club. <laughs> And eventually, you know, by September, I had gotten a job as a secretary at a college. And uh, it, this newsletter that started coming out, it was done on an old mimeograph machine, which you've probably never seen before unless in, in a picture or in a history book or something. <laughs> but um, you had to feed all this black ink into it. Oh, and wow. then it was sometimes they were electric and sometimes they weren't. I've used both kinds, but I didn't have one. I had to go use somebody, you know, some company's um, mimeograph machine. And you'd put on a white lab jacket because otherwise your clothes were going to be ruined. <laughs> and um, I did that like every other month for a while. And then I started doing it every four or I did it four times a year and then the last issue of the year would be like a special edition it would have more information in it the, the one that came out during the year I called the Harrison Herald and the um the other one that one at the end of the year was called the George Journal anyway in 1966 I got this or when I got my first job um somebody had left behind a book in the office about office practices and how to write letters and how to or how to compose things you know a business letter or a contract or anything so I thought hey why don't I do a contract and send it to George's mother and have her get him to sign it for me because she was always sending me stuff to use for prizes and contests and I mean she was great she sent me guitar picks autographed pictures you know, all that kind of stuff that ki the kids our age wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I sent her this charter that I made up and she got it done and she sent it back to me. And I noticed that um, in, the in the line where George was supposed to sign, 
all that was there was his signature of his first name. So I thought that was maybe a little weird, but I thought, ah, eh, who cares? It's George's, you know, he wrote it. Who cares if it's legal or not? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, when I had these bandstand fan clubs, they were just little affairs, you know? We didn't have newsletters or anything. We sent out membership kits and pictures, and that was about it. So anyway, um, this was considerably more serious, I guess is a word to say it more. I tried to make it very businesslike. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in 1968, I, uh, my grandma or my aunt left me a thousand dollars in her will. And I thought, what will I do with this? Oh, I'm going to England. I'm going to meet the Beatles, <laughs> you know? So that's what I did. And uh, I also thought at the time, well, you know, since I'm a little iffy on this fan club charter, I'm going to make up a new one, have him sign it right in front of me. So I did. And uh, in August of 1968, my, or four of my friends and I, we flew over to London. Before we left, I sent George a letter, certified mail, telling him what day I was going to show up at his house. <laughs> I knew the directions of how to get there. And in fact, I, he lived in Asher, Surrey at that time. And I knew that um, I knew what the house probably was, you know, what room was where in the house, because his mother even sent me a little map <laughs> thank god do you still have the map i do i think it's in a uh in a trunk in my basement where i keep important things like that <laughs> but anyway um we showed up on his doorstep the day that i said we were going to and um rang a doorbell there was just three of us that were doing this at the time um, anyway, we went there and we rang the doorbell and this lady comes out with bright red hair. She was his housekeeper. Her name was Margaret. And she said, George wasn't available right then, but we should come back later. So we said, all right. And we went, you know, back up the road. And as we were going up the road, we saw this green Mini Cooper going up the road like uh, past going past us and we looked and it was George in this car and he obviously saw us too and he backed up to where we were standing in shock in the middle of the road <laughs> now now I'm hoping that the driver were you driving no we were walking we didn't have a car we were using public transportation for everything oh well we if were you were walking, walking back to the hotel we were staying at in that town. Oh, wow. Like, did you almost pass out and faint? Well, uh, I didn't pass out or faint, but um, probably wouldn't have taken too much. But um, he just, he opened, he opened his car door and he looked at the three of us standing there. And then he looked at me and he pointed at me and said, you're Pat, aren't you? I never met him before ever <laughs> so my friend thought that probably he knew what i looked like because 
she said that Mrs. Harrison, she noticed when we were in their house one time, she noticed that he had a, or Mrs. Harrison had a picture of me it framed hanging or sitting in there on one of their tables or something in the, in the living room. I couldn't believe that, but I didn't notice it. But anyway, maybe that's how he knew who I was. I don't know. But anyway, that if I wasn't going to faint when he pulled up, that would have been the, the time to, you know, pass out on the street. <laughs> but I didn't. I said, yes, I'm Pat. I'm your fan club president. And he put out his hand and we shook hands. And I didn't let go for a little while. And uh, he said he was in a hurry, but um, he wanted to know if we could come back the next day and visit him. And so we all agreed on one o'clock the next day. He says, well, you come back and we'll have a nice chat. So he left and I immediately burst into tears. And um, because I had wanted this for so long, it seemed like, although 1964 was only four years prior, but, you know, so I was wanting this for four years. And um, anyway, the next day we came back, only there were all five of us at that time, you know, the, other, the others weren't going to miss this for anything. So, so anyway, we got to his house and knocked on the door margaret came out again she said george will be just a minute and next thing you know there he was and we were momentarily uh we couldn't think of anything to say so he started the conversation <laughs> probably that happens a lot yeah <laughs> so you know after a minute or two we were talking to each other like we were you know old friends and um he said he would pose for any pictures we wanted. He would sign whatever we had. And did we ever take him up on that? And um, yeah, we got a lot of stuff between the five of us, you can imagine, you know. But he just kept on signing, kept on smiling and posing and all this. Anyway, finally, I gave him my fan club charter. And uh, I said, could you sign this for me? I said, I know that your mother's uh, got you to sign one once, but, um, you know, I'd like to have one that I, you know, I see you actually signing. And he said, well, let me see. I had it in a file folder and he opens it up and he reads it. And then he looks at me and he says, why don't you join up with the official Beatles fan club? I said, because the one in the United States isn't very good. And I want to do this myself. He says, but they say they're improving it. I said, yeah, maybe, but I still want to do it myself. I said, why do you ask? And he says, well, I just want to make sure down the road you don't um, try to sue me. And I said, why would I do that? You know, we just looked at each other <laughs> like I had no idea. I mean, no inclination of ever doing anything like that. So anyway, he signed them. And I gave him, I had him sign five of them and I gave him his copy to keep. And uh, I'm sure he was thrilled to death. But <laughs> anyhow, that was my first meeting with George Harrison. The second one took place in 1969, about the same time of year. He went to his house, he was there. We, you know, he didn't seem as carefree and happy as he did the, in 68. 
So, you know, if I would have known what was really going on in 1969 behind the scenes, I would have understood completely because, you know, it, it was just not a good time in their lives. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the first year that we went, we also met George's mother and father and his brother, Peter, and his wife, Pauline, and their son at that time, who was like nine months old in 1968. But when we went in 69, we did it all over again. We went to Mr. and Mrs. Harrison's house and um, he had, Georgia just bought, her, bought them a new house. And uh, so we were there and uh, we didn't know it at the time and probably neither did she, but she was soon after that diagnosed with brain cancer. Right. Brain tumor. And I mean, when we got there, we didn't see her right away, but Mr. Harrison was out in the garden and he came over and he says, oh, hi, Pat, and, uh, and your friends. And <laughs> he says, Mrs. Harrison will be out in a couple minutes. She had a headache and she was lying down. So that was probably the first clue, you know, but I had no idea at the time. So, but she was very nice. She didn't act like she had a headache. She, <laughs> you know, she gave us something to drink and some cookies and she was very, very, very nice. I love Mrs. Harrison. And um, anyway, the second time, you know, uh, we met her at, at the house and then we also went to visit Peter and Pauline again. And now she had, they had two kids. <laughs> so a boy and a girl. And uh, we also found out that she was pregnant with the third one. Or was that 71? Yeah, forget that. That happened in 1971 when we went there, but we didn't see George at all because he was in New York City for the Bangladesh concert, which we missed because we had already purchased our, our airline tickets to go over to England, you know? and we didn't want to lose that so anyhow <laughs> we regret it to this day of course yeah <clears throat> the concert yeah. for bangladesh was i mean yeah. the best rock and roll concert possibly that ever happened and the first one that ever happened for a benefit or in a big well no not i won't say in a big stadium that was just the first of the those you know there's a lot of them now concerts for benefits and uh, this was just the first one ever. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, we missed it entirely. And of course, you know, a friend called us in England at our hotel the next day, told us all about it. And then we felt even sicker. And, <laughs> and to make it even worse, I had called my mother and she told me that a disc jockey from a, a local radio station that I knew that he, you know, we knew each other and uh, he, he called the house to offer me tickets to that concert. He didn't know I was in England. So that made me doubly sick, you know, anyway, um, I didn't go to England at all in 1970. And then in 1971, I went to England again. And, uh, George wasn't, like I said, George's Bangladesh concert. And we visited with Pauline. Um, 
Mr. Harrison was planning to take us to his wife's grave before George, you know, decided to take him along to New York for this concert. So he, he had told us um, at the last minute, he told me where she was buried so we could go there and, you know, put flowers on her grave or whatever. And of course he said, do not tell anybody these directions because it's one of those cemeteries that doesn't have tombstones, you know, and you have to actually get somebody to measure it for you to figure out exactly where it was. So oh, wow. that, that, that happened. And, um, you know, it, it was very nice. And I never have told anybody those directions and I never will. <laughs> <clears throat> because I get blamed for too much stuff anyway. So um, we also went to George's house because while we, you know, between 69 and 71, he had moved to Friar Park. And we just wanted to, we knew he wasn't there, but we thought we'd, you know, take a look. So um, we already made reservations at a hotel there anyway. So we figured out it may as well. So we happened to get there the day that George's brother Harry and his family were moving into Friar Park at this uh, guardsman's house, I guess, at, that's right at, at the gates, inside the gates of Friar Park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I had not met them before, but they knew of me because uh, when we got there, we saw these kids playing outside, little, uh, little boys particularly. And I, I knew the kids' names. I knew what they looked like. So I just said to him, are you Paul? And he said, yes. And I said, um, could you maybe get your mom or your dad? And he, he says, okay. So he went in, came out with his sister and his mother. And um, she said, oh, Pauline told me you were coming down. <laughs> you know, his, uh, uh, Peter's sister, or Peter's wife. So um, uh, we chatted with them for a while and then we left and, you know, we, a couple of days later, we went back to England. I mean, back home to the United States and uh, things actually things in 1968, when a couple of weeks after I got home from that trip, um, I got something very strange in the mail. It was from um, Nate Weiss, their lawyer in New York City. And they said in this, he said in this letter that he understood that there was a fan club operating illegally at my address. <laughs> and he said, I want you to cease and desist and do not sell any photographs. We understand you're selling photographs too. And I thought, well, what does he know? So my father, I showed him this letter and my father likes to write um, complaint letters. So he and I together wrote this letter to Nate Weiss and we enclosed a photocopy of the charter. And I never heard from Mr. Weiss again <laughs> because yeah. he knew that if I had it in writing from George that there's nothing he could do about it. Right. Well, then they started to try to get me to join up with the official Beatles fan club because they reorganized it and they were going to have chapter presidents and all kinds of stuff. So I still didn't want any parts of it. 
until one day in 1969, I got a letter from a guy named Jock McLean, who claimed to be the road manager for the Beatles when they were in the United States. And he worked for Nate Weiss. And uh, he apparently got in touch with George or George got in touch with him, I don't know which. And he said, George wants you to join the official George or the official Beatles fan club. He wants you to be the chapter president for him, you know, cause they all had one at that point. They were going to all have one, but nobody had a charter like I did. <laughs> yeah. So I figured, okay, I can get away with murder here. So I said, all right, I'll join. And they had all these regulations that you were supposed to follow, you know, with regards to selling pictures. You weren't allowed to sell anybody's pictures. I sold pictures because I took them, you know, or I, they were either pictures I took or they were pictures that the family sent to me because George's family was just like that. They would send me stuff. And um, anyway, in 1972, the very beginning of it, in January, um, one day I got a letter in the mail from the woman who was running the official Beatles fan club, which was at that time called Apple Tree. And uh, he, uh, the letter said it was, the girl's name was Laura Kane and it was the president. And uh, she said that the Beatles fan club or Apple Tree was all going to be closed up. It wasn't gonna exist anymore. And she said it was because of something in a newsletter that one of them didn't like. And she said, it surprised me because she said, I, I know that this is the, the best chapter of the fan club, you know? And I couldn't believe that anybody would do that, but she said, that's what happened. But she didn't mention my name or the fan club's name. And I got this and I thought, holy crap. I thought, I know that I'm the person she's talking about. Yeah. And I didn't know why, but I looked at my last newsletter, the George Journal for 1971. And I had put in there an article I found in a newspaper about, uh, it was actually, it was an interview with Patty Harrison that somebody had done at a cocktail party. And Patty said, if they didn't soon have children, they were going to adopt a kid from India. And George is very private. And I heard that when she gave that interview, he was not happy with her. So when he saw it again in my newsletter, he was really not happy with it <laughs> or me. <Yeah. laughs> so he wasn't happy with either of us. Um, anyway, it, it just turned into a huge mess. And I disbanded it. I wasn't going to at first till I found out it was me, you know? And uh, I, I've been, I tried for five decades to find out why he did that to me. He never answered any of my letters, my telegrams, my whatever's that I sent to him to say, why did you do this? You know, what did I do to you? You know, cause we weren't hundred percent sure that it was this article. It was just, you know, it, it was 
you know, it just had to be me. And that had to be the article because there was nothing else in that article that was negative. Right. So um, I never did talk to him. But and, and at that point, I had written a book called Do You Want to Know a Secret? Because I felt like I just had to get it out there, you know, get it off my chest, I guess. And uh, after I published that book, which was in 2005, I got some interesting phone calls. I got a, a call from Sean Weiss, who was Nate Weiss's stepson. And he told me, you know, he didn't know, he hadn't read my book. He just, I had a website at the time for the book and he had looked at that and thought that perhaps he, he and I had been to England at the same time, which was true, 1969. And uh, he just, you know, thought he'd call up to talk about that. Well, then I told him that, uh, you know, I said, I had gotten a letter from your father, uh, you know, telling me to, cease and desist back in 1968. And he says, oh, I probably have that in my basement. And I said, in your basement? He said, yeah, he's my father and he gave me all this stuff and he's in his nineties now. And I said, is he still together in his head? And he said, sometimes. <laughs> so I said, would you mind asking him? I said, I, I was aware that they had a meeting in early 72 or late 71 about this situation with the fan club. And George, of course, called that meeting. Frida Kelly was at the meeting. And Pete, Peter Brown was at the meeting and John was at the meeting. So I said, I guess your father must have been at that meeting. And he said, well, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll ask him and I'll see if anything was mentioned, if he knows if anything was mentioned about my fan club. So the next day I get an email from Sean telling me he talked to his father and he was not at that meeting, but or no, he said he was at the meeting, but I found out later that he was not at that meeting, but there was a meeting in London and there was a meeting in New York. So after they discussed it all and decided what to do in London, then they passed the information on to the people in New York. And that must be what um, Nate thought, you know, had happened. He, he probably forgot about a physical meeting. I mean, he's 90. Yeah. But he did remember being told and he doesn't remember my name being mentioned at all. So that made me feel excellent, you know? I also got, um, I was in touch then with his sister, Louise, Lou. Yeah. I was in touch with um, his, his nephew, Gordon, who was Gordon Caldwell, Louise Harrison's son. He lived in Florida at the time. And he didn't know anything about this, but his wife had been surfing on the internet and found that website that I had. And I had said in there that, well, I put in some other pictures on that website. One of them was me playing with Ian Harrison, who was um, Peter's little boy. And uh, she, she says to me, 
you mentioned blah, blah, blah. And she says, could you tell me which, I, I guess I didn't put the names in it, which nephew you're talking about when you say that you were playing with George's nephew? And I said, oh, it was Ian. And I said, who is this? And she says, um, she says, my name's Carol Caldwell and I'm Gordon Caldwell's wife. And we had met them, we had met the two kids the first time we went over there because they were visiting their grandparents for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> so we had already met them. Of course, you know, he was a little, he was 10, I think. He didn't remember. Neither did his sister, who was eight. <laughs> but um, anyway, she just, you know, it was funny because these people up until the fan club ended, they had all made me feel like one of the family. And then, you know, it was like they kicked me out of their family because they all stopped writing to me and everything. It was so weird. I know if Mr. Mrs. Harrison had not died, this would not have happened. I guarantee you. <laughs> she would yeah. have she would have told George, you know, what to do and, and not not to do at that point because she liked me. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, you know, nice. But anyway, I ended up giving Gordon and Carol Carol Caldwell information about their family tree, which I had gotten from one of the cousins. And, you know, I, it, it was incredible. Some of the phone calls that I got after that. And um, I met Louise Harrison, I mean, Lou Harrison at Beetlefest in New York. And she told me, you know, I told her the whole story. I took letters with me that, you know, uh, you know, I had just, I had found out, of course, that, that the fan club had ended because, definitely because of my newsletter. Um, it, it, was, it was a horrible time. And when I finally got the answers I was looking for, I found out, you know, we were, I was at Beetlefest. And Frida Kelly was at Beetlefest. Do you know who she is? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't, you're so young. I don't know how much you know and, and how much you don't. So sorry. <laughs> oh, no worry. <laughs> so anyway, he, um, I forgot what I was going to say. What's the last thing I just said? I'm sorry. Frida I'm Kelly. old. This happens to me. What? Frida Kelly. Frida Kelly, yes. I thought, well, I'm going to talk to Frida Kelly because it said she was at this meeting in London too. So I, I told her, you know, my deal. And she said, uh, she said, Nate White wasn't, Weiss was not at that meeting. And then I thought Sean lied to me. Sean was at Beetlefest the next day. And boy, did I lie into him. I said, why would you lie to me, you know, and tell me, you know, that you talked to your father and you really didn't. He said, I wasn't lying to you. All of a sudden it dawned on us that there were two meetings, you know, and Peter Brown was in the one in London and Nate Weiss was in New York. So I felt at that point satisfied that I had solved this as much as I was going to be able to, because George died, obviously. And I will ask him when I get up there, <laughs> when I die, I will ask him and <laughs> can be sure of that. And uh, anyhow, having solved this issue, 
I decided I would write a follow-up book because it was only fair to the people who read the first one that ended with a secret, you know? So do I promise, do you promise not to tell? Yeah, and here's what happened. So I told them, told them everything. And I also added a bunch of stuff about my own life just to make it seem like I was a real person or whatever, you know, and not just a crazy Beatle fan. <laughs> we all are crazy Beatle fans at heart. Yes, I know. I yeah. know. So anyway, that is, that is my story. Do you have any questions? Well, how can people purchase the book? Oh, well, funny you should ask. This is, do you want to know a secret? Can you see this on the screen? I mean, are no, people going to see this or are they just going to hear it? Your camera is off. <gasps> you didn't tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I won't hold them up then. But do you want to know a secret is at the moment only available on Amazon. And the other book, you promise not to tell. It's um, available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, um, and it was published by a company in Germany, actually, called um, Tradition, T-R-E-V-I-T-I-O-N. And they can be reached at tradition.com. And um, I'm gonna have a, a website soon that's gonna, you know, have links to all these different places. But uh, anyway, this is $20.99. If you're an Amazon uh, Prime member, you don't have to pay for shipping. If you order it from Germany, you do have to pay for shipping. And I imagine you have to pay for shipping with Target and Barnes and Noble too, you know? Yeah. So that's how you can get it. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, my website will be up and running. And it is called, all one word, georgeharrisonsecrets.com. I will put a link for that in this description. Okay. Just all small, no caps. Okay. Awesome. So I have to ask you, what is your favorite George Harrison Beatles song? Do you want to know a secret? I know it wasn't written by him, but it's been my favorite song, which in part was why I named the book that, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you want to know a secret? But if it was written by George and I have to make that decision, I would say probably while my guitar gently weeps. Thank you. It's beautiful. It, it's perfect. Yes, it is a perfect song. Did you see George on the 74 tour? He just froze. Oh, am I back? Yes. Okay. Did you, did you see George on the uh, 74 tour? Yeah, I did. That was a big mistake that I made doing that. Because I, I mean, this thing had only happened to me two years prior. And I was still furious. <laughs> I mean, furious. And my my husband thought it would be good for me to go and my best friend who was also a vice president of the fan club at the time um or not at the time but during the time when we had the fan club um 
she thought it would be good for me too. And she also wanted to go. So the three of us went and I sat there through the whole thing. Didn't, didn't scream, didn't clap, didn't anything. I just sat there and watched it. And then right, I guess during the last song, which I don't even remember what it was, my husband, Tony said, let's go so we can get a, you know, get to the car before the mob, you know, comes out in the parking lot. So we got up and we're still, it was in a big stadium in Philadelphia, the Spectrum. And uh, we started walking out and we got, it, it was round. So you, you go around, you know, and then <clears throat> um, you could go down certain spots, you know, to, to seats. Yeah. And we got to the area where I thought probably the stage, the backstage was that you could see down from the balcony. And we went out there, or I went out there, I should say. I just just went out there and looked and I started. I was so angry. It all just came out. Words I never even used. <laughs> of course, he didn't hear me. He was performing. And then I saw his father down there and who was standing back behind the stage. And I thought, oh my God. So I start yelling his name. Of course, he didn't hear me either. And I wasn't mad at him. I, you know, I just couldn't believe he was there. And immediately I thought, oh, well, that's the reason that in, you know, well, no, 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 forget that. Just delete that. I was going to say about the Bangladesh concert, but I got him mixed up for a minute. Um, anyway, uh, I was really having some kind of a fit there. And uh, all of a sudden, my husband and my friend came down and one of them grabbed their arm and, you know, drove me back up the stairs and out of the building. I cried the whole way home. <laughs> it was it was a release, you know, an emotional release. I don't blame you, but you were so lucky to be at that show because, I mean, you got to see you were one of the very few people that got to see George perform as a solo artist live oh i know lots of people who did <laughs> but then again uh i'm in touch with people you probably aren't so <laughs> yeah i mean you might be a big Beatles fan but you've still only been here 14 years so you couldn't have absorbed it all <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i mean really so unless you lived it you couldn't have really absorbed it right that's right. what I always say, you know, I mean, I'm glad that kids your age are interested in the Beatles, but you don't know the whole picture. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I don't know what it was like to wait for a new George Harrison album to come out. I don't know. What I, didn't, it's like. I didn't care because I bought All Things Must Pass. And that was in 1971. And after the thing happened with the fan clubs, I absolutely refused to buy anything else with his name on it. So I never did. A few years ago, after I was over all of this, my husband bought the albums for me on CD for Christmas one year. But I, I never put a, a penny of my money into him. <laughs> Have you listened to the albums? Yeah. What's your favorite? I don't even I don't think I listened to them maybe more than once. So I can't even answer that question unless I said all things must pass. 
which I played over and over and over. I think it's possibly the greatest album that any solo Beatle released. Oh, I agree with you completely. I mean, for a while, I didn't even buy solo albums by the other ones. I mean, I was just trying to get find another outlet in my life, you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, I took up sewing and knitting and all kinds of stuff, anything I could think of to fill the void. (laughs) So. Pat, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, You're welcome. If you want viewers to contact you, what's the best way to do so? My email address, which is mancuso underscore pat at yahoo.com. M-A-N-C-U-S-O. Okay, you have it from, I know you have it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll put it in the description. Okay. And we just heard a conversation with Pat Manskusu about her and the George Harrison fan club. My name is Hudson Ranny, and this is P2 Podcast Blues. If you want to send us an email, you can send us an email at georgeharrisonpod at gmail.com. Martin and or I will answer. Um, keep us, follow us on all the socials, link in the description. So we want to wish you all, we hope you all had a very good Thanksgiving. So peace and love.